Good morning, I'm Rosie and I'm just going to do another episode of my podcast and I'm driving to work again. So it is a little bit noisy with the car. Um, So today I'm just going to talk about spiritual abuse. That sounds awful, Um, but it's been very relevant in my story, my journey. And so I'll be talking about it in relation to a narcissist and in relationship in relation to me having a narcissistic mother in that capacity in that context um before i begin i've just I've just been having a few thoughts overnight just on narcissists and um first of all i'd like to say i probably sound like i'm obsessed with them and i've got this real issue with narcissists i'm not obsessed but i guess i do have a real issue with them um, I've lived with it for 50 years and my life has been profoundly affected by narcissists. So I have had so much strife and chaos and trauma associated from damage from narcissists in my life. So I do have a strong focus on it because um, of all the experiences that I've had and all the stuff I've had to go through unfortunately and I wouldn't have gone through them if I didn't have a narcissist in my life so yeah I I do have a bit of a focus there on it and so my whole point of doing my podcast here is just to share what I've learned share my story my journey and I feel like I am an expert on narcissism just from personal experience not because I am a professional in the area but I am very much an expert just from personal experience so that's why I'm talking so much about them just because um, everything I've gone through and everything I've learned um, and I, I think it is a good thing to put out awareness of it for people that have that are now like me for so many years in the dark, just experiencing chaos after chaos, conflict after conflict, and not having a clue what was going on, what I was dealing with, and why everything was just so intensely crazy. If I had known years and years ago, it would have really helped me a lot to have an understanding and then know what... I needed to do to deal with it um so one part of my of me doing this is to tell my story and just get it out because it all just swirls around inside and it's really good for me to just speak it out and to just to put out awareness and to help people that are in similar situations just not knowing what's going on um So that is why I'm doing this. And just um, just some thoughts. They're just so hard to deal with. And I shared yesterday in my episode um, that I read a quote yesterday that really sort of meant a lot to me. Just how a narcissist deals with everything driven by their ego. I, as an empath, deal with everything sort of driven by empathy and love, whereas, and I sort of, you're expecting that they are 
approaching something of the same mindset, but they're not. It's all ego-driven with them. So everything they see is related to them. That is very, very, very definite. Um, no matter what it is, they just see it in relation to them. So anything to do with you is in relation to them. They just see it in that way. So something you're going through, they see it in relation to them. And that's why they'll say things like, you know, you might share with them something that you've got going on. And yeah, I know. And that's why, you know, you should have understood me a bit more when this happened to me. Or that's why you should have, you should have listened to me. And that's why, you know, maybe you'll understand me a bit more because that's what I have to deal with. And just things like that. They'll never just empathize with you and just put themselves present in your situation. They'll put themselves present in your situation in context of them. I've got countless memories of my mum um, with stuff like that. She just had absolutely zero capacity to be empathetic with me no matter what I was going through. I remember when I was going out with my husband and it was just such a traumatic time just because of her. And we broke up a couple of times just because of her. And on one of the breakups, I was really upset about it. And she must've come in my room and was talking to me and, you know, I must've said, I'm really upset, I don't know. And she just, oh, I know. And that's why you shouldn't have given him that, that ring. And I'd had a, a friend who's a jeweler make up a beautiful ring with a couple of diamonds in it for him, just a gold band. Um, and that's all she could offer me was, yeah, and that's why you shouldn't, you know, that was foolish, giving him that ring. And, oh, there'd just be so, so, so many examples of her being like that. Um, just absolutely no ability to display normal empathy like normal people. Anyway, I'll start talking now about spiritual abuse it's not a subject I'm comfortable with I don't like even that term it's pretty um, intense it sounds really awful but unfortunately it is very extremely relevant in my story um, I have said a lot previously that my parents were very religious people and my whole family is and I, I don't say that easily because I have very strong faith in God, my own beliefs though, um, and I feel like they are very different. I have a very different take on it to what I was sort of served up from my family. My family, um, particularly my parents, in my mind, very legalistic approach so when I say the religious so they're Christians they're what we would call born-again Christians um, yeah just Christians um, so but they in my opinion were very very legalistic and I use the example of like the Pharisees if you know anything about Bible days and Bible stories and um, in the days of Jesus, when Jesus was on earth, this is getting pretty deep, I know that. Um, I won't stay this deep, I promise. Um, Jesus was very much about the people. He 
despised the Pharisees. So the Pharisees were the religious leaders of the day. So they're the ones that run the church and the temples and they wore cloaks and did all their rituals and saw themselves very superior to the common people and were very, um, lots of rules that they obeyed. And a lot of the rules were based from the Old Testament days. This is getting really deep now. Um, And so Jesus sort of came to change all of that. And he was just about the people, the common people. So he spent his days walking around the towns, just hanging out with the people out on the streets. And he spent a lot of time with prostitutes and criminals and all of those sort of types of people, not people in the church, definitely not with the Pharisees. And he actually despised the Pharisees because they were stuck on their rules. They didn't have any time for the common people and sinners. And, you know, a sinner would be stoned, like the stories in the Bible of like uh, women that had committed adultery and they would be stoned on the street by the Pharisees and everyone would gang up against them. That's how they were treated, anyone that committed a sin. And it was discovered they would be stoned or persecuted publicly. And Jesus sort of came along and said, no, that's not right. We're just here to love them, just love them. And he hung out at the parties. He turned water into wine when they ran out of wine at a party. And I think he was a pretty cool guy. That's my take on it. I think I would have liked him, think he would have liked me. And he was all about just forgiving and loving people. And that is not the sort of religious hate that I was served out. It was very much more the Pharisee style. So we had all these rules to obey and there was no empathy offered. Everything was black and white. You obeyed the rules. You didn't sin. And I question that even as I say that because, you know, define sin. Sin in sort of that style mind is, um, you know, don't drink, don't smoke, don't swear, don't, you know, all of those basic things, don't steal, don't... But what about this sin of gossiping and treating people badly and talking badly about people and all of those things? I think they're extremely sinful and because they're very hurtful and damaging and they affect people. So, you know, that's just getting a bit off track. But I very much question what sin is worse than another, seriously. Um... But yeah, so we were brought up, you definitely didn't do any of those naughty things. You just, you went to church every Sunday and you obeyed all those rules. You didn't question them, you just obeyed them and did them. Um, And me being me, questioned everything. Just, (laughs) I had a very open-minded take on life from very, very early on. And... I saw the bigger picture, I guess, from from the very beginning. I always looked at a bigger picture. Um, I remember my mum saying something that really stuck with me. And I was a teenager at the time, and they were talking about some friends of theirs, a husband and wife, and their daughter was going out with a boy that they didn't approve of. And 
you know, it was very upsetting to them. They didn't think he was a good enough guy for their daughter. And then the father ended up with a brain tumour. And I remember my mum saying that it was completely caused from their daughter's wayward behaviour and all the trouble that she had given them. And I was only young at the time, but I just remember thinking, that's not right. That can't possibly be right. I don't think you can say something like that. That's a really heavy thing to put on a young girl. Me and all that. I was just thinking, this is way before I had found a boyfriend myself and all that sort of thing, but I was just thinking, maybe he is a nice guy. Maybe he is actually a nice guy. And, you know, maybe she really loves him. But I just couldn't believe that my mum would say that, and she obviously totally believed it. I just thought that was really awful. So that's how I always um, approach things. I'd always sort of hear them say things and just think, I don't think that sounds right. Um, so yeah, just to paint the picture of my my family life then. So religion was just the dominant of our entire life pretty much. So we went, my parents were very involved in church. In my early years, I were very involved in a church, but we left that church when I was about five because the senior minister had an affair with the secretary, so they couldn't stay there. That was, you know, an unforgivable sin. So we left that church, and we never really got properly involved in just a church, but my parents started, they would call it flowing with the body of Christ, and we'd do lots of different go to different prayer vigils and oh I know this is sounding really weird but they would get go to all sorts of different things that weren't related to just a church but I don't know it, it annoys me I'm sorry I would rather them have just stuck to the local church and just been involved there but anyway um so they were very very much involved and we always went to church every Sunday twice a Sunday most times even when we were on holidays we always had to find a church to go to um so that was that but then um, they were very set on having their prayer time every day so every morning they would have their prayer time but it wasn't just a quick little you know prayer (laughs) it was the longer the better, the more people knew how long you'd been praying for, the better. I don't remember this so much about my dad, and I guess that was because he had to get up and go to work, um, so he probably had his Bible reading and a little prayer time, but my mum was really over the top with it. Um, she would like love to tell everyone that she'd spend an hour a day in the prayer closet there wasn't an actual prayer closet I'm just let you know um so it would just be a bedroom of course um but you had to be down on your knees and she would pray very loudly very very loudly and as a kid this was a bit disturbing because you know it was almost yelling it was almost yelling her prayer and you could honestly hear it if you were down on the street um and so she would spend ages in her prayer closet praying every single day never miss a day never miss a day bible reading um and that's like very much like the pharisees it's kind of a ritual 
I question that because I just don't know how much her heart was there or just her mind doing a duty. I don't know. I know I, I can't question that. That's between her and God. I totally realise that. But to me, it it just didn't... It was, something was really off about it. Um, as I got older, that's when she started to put it on me. And I'll say us because my twin sister was very much with me through all of this. Um, so as we started to become sort of older in our teenage years and become more independent, uh, starting to make more adult decisions, she, she really turned it up on us and she would um, be very naughty and she would say things to us like if we had a problem with something or we we're going through something, well, how long have you spent in your prayer closet? Or, or if we questioned some, her about something, you know, if we might have been having a bit of a disagreement and she would say, well, what would you know? How long have you spent in your prayer closet today? And so she was literally saying to us, well, if you haven't spent as long as me, you obviously don't know as much as I do. You obviously don't have, have as much wisdom as me because I've spent longer in the prayer closet. And that would put a lot of guilt on us and we would feel really bad because, no, we hadn't probably spent any time in our prayer closet. It was something I never got into. I did try. I would try and get up early and hop down on my knees in my bedroom early in the morning, but I'd fall asleep. And I have a very, I probably have a bit of a form of ADD. I have, and I, it no doubt is an after effect of all of this. I have a very, um, poor concentration level and my mind wanders very very easily that's where like for me yoga and practicing mindfulness and a bit of meditation is helpful and just having water um helps me to control my mind a little bit but i have a very wandering mind very easily so I would try but I would either fall asleep or just start thinking about other stuff and then you'd feel bad you'd feel really guilty because oh my gosh I'm meant to be praying I'm meant to be spending time with God and I keep thinking about other stuff you know I must be a really bad person I could never get the hang of it um now I'll just add I do pray because I do believe in God um but my belief is a very quiet belief and I just keep it to myself. I, um, I actually do get up every morning and start my day with a little prayer time, but I just have a beautiful journal book. So what I actually do is I've got, it, it is like a journal and I decorate it with a few beautiful stickers and flowers and things and I always put a photo of my family on the page and I just do a, write down a quick prayer um, and I just pray protection over my family and I just pray for a few things that I need to that's on my mind at the time it's pretty short and sweet and that's how the only way I can do it I'm a writer I love to write so just writing down a prayer is how it works for me and it's actually quite nice because I now have like a pile of all these pretty books that are my prayer books. It's something I hope my kids will keep when I've gone one day and just treasure because it really is just 
prayers over them and for them. Um, But that's the only way I can do it. If I was to get down on my knees and try and do an hour yelling out a prayer, there's no way. I would just, 30 seconds into it, my mind would have wandered. (laughs) But, yeah, my mum would very much say things like that to us very regularly. And another thing she would do is when I got a bit older and started working, um, she would get up in the morning and literally say things like God had woken her up at three o'clock in the morning telling him all this stuff about me and um, you know so she'd had me on her mind and was really concerned because God had told her all this terrible stuff about me uh, and just put that on just dump that on me huge guilt because it was something she wasn't happy with me about and now I had God on his, her side. So God was mad at me. So I was, I was a really bad person, really bad. How could I, like, what could I do about that? I got freaking God, the wrath of God coming down on me because he's woken her up and told her all this stuff. And there were quite a few times where it would be God has told her I'm struggling with sexual sin and that was um, when I was going out with my now husband so that of course I was <laughs> would have helped if she'd approved and allowed me to get married definitely would have helped with that one it's just like oh gosh God's telling her all this stuff about me oh shit <laughs> sorry I'm just dropped my water bottle on the floor. Now I had to take my seat bottle. Um, so that was seriously dam- damaging stuff for me, really much so, because I didn't know any better. So I kind of, she was my mom. She was this spiritual guru, this holy lady. So she must be right. And God's talking to her. He doesn't talk to me. He doesn't wake me up at three o'clock talking to me. I wish he would, but he didn't. He never has. Um, So it was really heavy stuff, really, really heavy stuff. And put so much guilt, you know, guilt and shame. So it takes years and years to remove that and heal from that. Um, And I've carried that part of that the whole way through because... My whole family is very religious like this. Um, and I guess because I I'm, I'm have a different take on it. And they all go to church more than me and they all pray more than me and do more church good works than I do. So I don't know, I've questioned, does God like me? I know he does. I, I don't say that seriously. I have a strong... Um, you know, I'm comfortable with where I'm at, but that—that that is how it um, can make you feel, definitely. You know, these people, well, obviously the best example here is my, the golden daughter, is, her husband is a United Church minister. So I can't compete with that, can I? She's a minister's wife. There's no way I'm gonna be better than her. There's no way in the world. I'll be better than them. My husband can't be better than 
the minister. Um, <laughs> that's, it's a tough one, it really is. Again, I'm okay with it all now, but, you know, I haven't been for a long time. It took a long time to work all this out. Um, but the, the irony is when we were very involved in church, when we were young adults, my husband and I, but it was never okay. It was the wrong church. Nothing we ever did was okay, ever. I remember we were when we were going out, we were going to a small local church and we were, I was doing Sunday school and it might have been, I don't know, we were doing a little Sunday school concert anyway on for a nighttime service and I thought my parents might actually like to come and watch my little Sunday school class and what I'd been teaching them. I thought that they might actually be interested, maybe enjoy it and might be nice for them to come. Oh, that was ridiculously a big mistake to make. I asked them if they'd like to come and I don't even know why, but it turned into some big drama. They weren't happy with the church we were going to and I don't know, it was a problem with this and that as usual. So they were not happy that I'd asked them. I just remember the afternoon of that Sunday it was very thunderous in the house. There was tension and strife going on. And I must have asked them when I was leaving, were they going to come? They weren't happy about it at all. They finally decided they would come and they turned up just so cold and so stone-faced. And it was horrible, just so horrible. I caused me so much anxiety and stress having them there that I fully regretted asking them of course and I don't know why they bothered I don't know why they're upset about it and, but I don't know why they bothered either and just that's just a classic example remember the old golden daughter came along too so I had the three of them sitting up the back of the church just all cranky and stony-faced um but anyway so that that's how I was brought up very much like that so lots of guilt and shame based um methods it's not good it's really not good it's extremely damaging to a person very much so I think it's amazing that I do actually still have a faith in God um, we don't go to church regularly we have started going back a little bit lately just mainly because we've got a bit more time now that our kids are sort of off our hands and we do like to go but we go to a pretty cool church where there's good music they've got a coffee shop so you can literally grab a coffee before you go into church and it's a really easy going, cruisy style of church. So we can handle that. And it's a really large church. So we can go. We don't have to get to know anyone. We can sit up the back, leave as soon as it's finished. And that suits us perfectly. We don't want to get involved. We don't want to do anything. We don't want to get to know heaps of people. We're just happy with it like that. Um, but yeah, it is amazing that I even want to go at all and even bother. 
I do struggle very much because my attention deficit um, sitting through a sermon I find it really really hard just to sit there my husband is constantly poking me telling me to stop fidgeting and listen <laughs> um, I don't know if that's from just years and years and years of sitting through so many church services and no doubt many of them were very very long I don't know um, and I will just emphasise I doubt a lot of Christians are like this, like like I'm describing my parents. I think um, I don't think it's normal and that common for people to be like that. Um, so I'm definitely not saying something bad about church people and Christians. Definitely not. There's a lot of really good ones around and really well-meaning people. Definitely, there's a lot of church doing amazing good things the church that we go to is one of them they do so much help for you know they've got um like helping with girls getting sex trafficking you know they've set up places in asia helping with that and helping all sorts of things really really good things that they do so i think it's definitely a good thing churches and all of that but I didn't and I don't like the style that my family did and still do um my mum is still exactly the same as that and she will still sending you scriptures is a common one um and getting over the years you'd get birthday cards from like the golden daughter and there'd always be a scripture written in it whether it was a card to me or one of my children years ago we don't get cards anymore of course but there would always be a scripture written in it and I don't know that just annoyed me it's a birthday I don't think you need a scripture just say happy birthday maybe send a little gift we don't need a scripture an eight-year-old boy doesn't need a scripture on his card um and my mom just for years and years and years will always include christian pamphlets in a card and i literally got one two days ago it was my 29th wedding anniversary a couple of days ago and i don't know why she always sends a card for that I don't know if she's trying to make up for being awful on the actual wedding time, but she sends a card. She actually said something like fond memories of the day and I thought, well, that's bullshit. You hated the day. Why is she saying that? But anyway, so we get a card and it's got three pamphlets of Christian scriptures in it. And it means nothing to me i don't know what her thought process is behind it it's a wedding anniversary i don't need christians pamphlets for it and you'll always for your birthday whatever the occasion is there'll be christian pamphlets sent in a card um so i mean i'm so good now that it just didn't bother me years ago that would have really just sent me in a bit of a rage but I'm just like oh whatever but the funny thing is two days before that was one of my son's birthday 
so she doesn't do anything at all to acknowledge his birthday but she acknowledges our wedding anniversary with a bunch of scripture pamphlets uh, that doesn't help like not help me but that well it doesn't help my my warm feelings towards her because if she really wanted to reach to me she would go through my children like gift them acknowledge their birthday in a normal way not send an e-card christian e-card um which she's done for years not not so they haven't had one for ages but most occasions she got onto some christian e-card service so she would always just send you a christian e-card and they just mean nothing absolutely nothing and yeah i'm like you could have acknowledged sam's birthday instead of just sending me these scriptures um and oh, i forgot what i was going to say to that i've lost it but yeah i just oh that's what i was going to say it, the funny thing is dean um, my husband's mother um I don't have a relationship with her. He does though. And so she called in and just dropped off a box of chocolates just as a little wedding anniversary gift for us. And you know, I don't have much of a relationship at all with her, but at least she did that and that's a normal thing. You know, it's nice to get a box of chocolates. So thank you. Yes, we do appreciate that. That is nice. I guess you know, I sound really awful and ungrateful, but what can I do with the Christian scriptures? Honestly, the pamphlets. We'll eat the chocolates, though, definitely. Um, and there's a lot more heavy stuff to the spiritual abuse subject. Um, I've kind of just kept it all light and funny stuff, but there's a lot of heavy stuff that's been there. A really awful example was when my dad was dying. Um, the week he was dying in hospital and I was spending the days at the hospital beside his bed. And I've told the story of how my twin sister and I had gone across the road to get some dinner and came back and we heard our mum talking really badly all about us on the phone to our sister-in-law. And it was a really horrific conversation. She just was really horrible in what she was saying about us anyway we called her out and I went up and said hey we well, just heard all of that um so very naughtily she then went because she was in the hallway she went back to my father's room she sat down beside his bed picked up her bible and started reading the bible very loudly so that was her trying to cover up her bad behavior by doing this holy behavior it was I was disgusted at it. I thought it was really disgusting. That's not normal behavior. And so she's trying to make herself look like a very good holy person by reading the Bible and the louder the better. And sorry, it's not gonna work with me. That doesn't sit with me at all. I see straight through it. I think it's very, very naughty. Um, another pretty heavy example that's coming to mind is just very recently I, I just over a year ago I've also told the story of my um the favorite golden granddaughter's wedding and that 
I went to it and it was very hard for me. My mother said something that triggered me and I said something back to her, which apparently just ruined the whole wedding because it sent her off in tears. And anyway, I got a very long, awful email from the golden daughter and her husband. And there was a lot of spiritual abuse stuff in that. I got scriptures put at me. I was accused of elderly abuse because I'm in no contact with my mum and the way I've treated her, apparently. It's just terrible. So I got all these scriptures backing up what they had to say to me and about me. And that's really heavy. It's really naughty stuff and really heavy. And I don't like that. I don't like using scriptures to put your point across. Just say it, just say it, but don't come up with scriptures. Um, I think that's really terrible and I've had that many times of that sort of thing I don't know how many times I've got scriptures sent to me and letters and cards and emails and messages just don't just have conversations (laughs) a scripture is only going to make me feel irritated and annoyed And I'm not anti the scriptures and the Bible. I know what a lot of them say, and I believe in them very much. A lot of wisdom comes from Bible scriptures. But don't throw them on me. Please don't do that. It's never going to um, be taken easily. And it is definitely a form of abuse. Um, And so just coming back to my mum, that. I think the worst thing that she would do was telling you God had told her stuff about you. That was very, very, very naughty. And they're things that is a no-brainer. Like if you're a teenager, you know, you're probably just, I don't know, experimenting with teenage normal stuff. You don't need God to tell you that as a parent. And I always swing things back to, what if I did that to my kids? Um, So when I think back to things my mum did, um, and then you always, always question, well, was it that bad? Do you think you overreacted? Do you think maybe you imagined it? And so I'll always swing it back to, well, what if I did that to my kids? How would they respond? How, How would they take it? And there's no way in the world they would like it. It wouldn't be nice if I felt they were, you know, doing something wrong and I didn't just open up a proper conversation but I hit them with scriptures about it um they would not like that it would not go well it would not open up a healthy conversation it would not draw them towards me it would push them away from me I know that without a doubt and they're all the exact things that happened I was not drawn towards my mum it created fear and pushed me away from her and same with the rest of my family. It didn't draw me to them. It didn't create warmth between us. It pushed me away from them. And I, I can't help but think of the classic, um, a, gay, a gay person, so a gay son or daughter. I can only imagine how many of them have had spiritual abuse put on them if they have Christian parents. And I can imagine all the scriptures coming out and thrown at them and how damaging that would be to those people and I know that's exactly what my the kind of thing my family would do in a situation like that 
Um, there is no gay people in my family, and that's probably a good thing because I wouldn't handle it at all. Um, but yeah, I just think it's really, really, really dangerous stuff. And I'm sure if anyone else does listen and they've experienced anything like this, they could very much relate. Someone who has no clue, has never experienced, would be listening to me going, well, you sound like you're talking really awfully and you're talking against Christians and all of that. I'm not. I can't emphasize that enough. I'm not. I'm not talking badly about God or Christians. There's a lot of really, really good ones. And I think God's pretty good. But that style is not good. Um, and I, there's a movie that I've watched in the last couple of years that has just been so incredibly helpful, helpful to me to help me understand my take on God and my faith. And it's called The Shack. If you haven't seen it, I do recommend it. Not everyone's liked it because I've posted on Facebook how much I loved it and I got some negative feedback there. But I absolutely loved it and it meant so much to me and that's exactly how I like to think God is and heaven. So I very much recommend watching it if you would be open to that. But it's a really great, great made movie, a great story. So it's a... A young Christian couple, family, they've got a couple of kids and they go to church but the man has had a really abusive upbringing, very much a narcissistic father and very physically abusive to him and verbally all the rest of it and he's got so much trauma. He's a really nice guy, really nice husband, a nice dad but he's pretty lost inside from all the trauma and he doesn't really know what he believes he's just sort of going through the motions but the wife has her pretty strong beliefs and they actually um, have their little beautiful little daughter is kidnapped and murdered and so the dad is just seriously lost then and anyway he gets a letter to go I won't say too much but anyway he gets a letter inviting him up to a cabin in the woods so he does go he's like I mean, I just got to go and check this out. And so it's just this beautiful little cabin. And it's kind of what heaven would be like to me, I think. It's just the most beautiful, perfect. And God is there as a woman. Um, And you've got a form of Jesus and the Holy Ghost. I know this is sounding really weird. Watch the movie, okay? It's not weird. It's actually really nice. But, um, and they've they say they've represented God as a woman in it because they know that this guy couldn't handle God being a man because he's so traumatized from his father he just couldn't handle thinking of God as a man and I really like that I love that I couldn't handle God as a woman that would just terrify me but and it just really it I think that God is all about kindness and love and compassion and that nothing is black and white and there are so many variations of grey, shades of grey in life and in the world and we're all human, we're not perfect, we're going to make mistakes, it's okay to make mistakes and he's just there to look up, to love us if we believe him and just do life, that you don't have to follow all the rules and do all the things that you're supposed to do, never miss church on a Sunday, but 
it's a lot kinder than that. I think, you know, I like to believe God is a lot kinder than that. And I really like that. I like to think that heaven is just a beautiful, beautiful place of a country cabin in the woods with flowers everywhere and butterflies. And I love that take on it. And I do have beliefs like that. Um, <laughs> I probably freaked you out saying all of that, but it is a really good movie, so definitely watch it. Sam Worthington is the actor in it. Anyway, I'm going to leave it at that. I'm nearly at work. Um, so thank you again for listening and have a beautiful day.